all you have. You are now tuned in to the Hawkins Rays. We just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's happening, my far, far away family? How is everyone doing today? Same old stuff on our side of the galaxy. Work, work, and more work. That's just the life of an adult. If you're a kid and you are listening, stay young forever. Don't ever grow up. Being an adult sucks. Okay, it's not that bad. But if I could go back to being a kid, I would. Life is just so much simpler. Unlike the stuff going on in this book, the Jedi are trying to save the galaxy, the Sith are trying to enslave it. The whole thing is just a mess, but it makes for a great story. A story that we should get back to right now. So let's do it. Lord Hoth tossed and turned, unable to sleep. The creaking of his cart joined the whining buzz of the blood-sucking insect swarms that followed his army wherever they made camp. The noise was compounded by the whirring hum of small-winged nightbirds swooping into feast on the insects that feasted on his soldiers. The result was a shrill, maddening cacophony that hovered on the edges of hearing. But it wasn't the noises that were keeping him awake or the unrelenting heat that left him with a constant sheen of sweat on his brow, even at night. It wasn't the military strategies and battle plans constantly running through his mind. It wasn't any one of these things, but rather the sum of all of them together, and the fact that there seemed to be no end in sight to this blasted, cursed war. Minor annoyances that had been tolerable during the first months on Rusan had been magnified by frustration and futility into unbearable torments. With an angry growl, he cast aside the thin blanket he slept under, tossing it into the far corner of his tent. He swung his legs over the side and sat up on the edge of the cot, leaning forward with his elbows on his knees and his head clasped between his hands. For two standard years, he'd waged his campaign against the Brotherhood of Darkness here on Rusan. In the beginning, many Jedi had rallied to his side, and many Jedi had died. Too many. Under Lord Hoth's command, they'd sacrificed themselves, offering up their own lives for the sake of a greater cause. Yet now, after six major battles, not to mention countless skirmishes, raids, minor clashes, and indecisive engagements, nothing had been decided. The blood of thousands stained his hands, yet he was no closer to his goal. Frustration was beginning to give way to despair. Morale was the lowest it had ever been. Many of the soldiers grumbled that Farfalla was right. The general had let Rusan become his mad obsession and was leading them to their doom. Hoth no longer even had the strength to argue with them. Sometimes he felt as if he'd forgotten the reasons he'd come here in the first place. Once, there may have been virtue in this war, but such nobility had long since been stripped away. Now he fought for revenge in the name of those Jedi who'd fallen. He fought out of hatred of the dark side and what it stood for. He fought out of pride and a refusal to admit defeat. But most of all, he fought simply because he no longer knew anything else. Yet if he gave up now, would it make any difference? If he ordered his troops to retreat, to evacuate the planet in Farfalla's ships, would anything change? If he stepped aside and left the burden of battling the Sith here on Rusan or elsewhere in the galaxy to another, would he finally find peace? Or would he simply be betraying all those who'd believed in him? To disband the army of light now, while the Brotherhood of Darkness still existed, 
dishonored the memory of all those who'd perished in the conflict. To press on meant many more would surely die, and he himself might be lost to the light forever. He lay back down and closed his eyes again, but sleep would not come. When all the options are wrong, he muttered to himself in the darkness, what does it matter which one I choose? When the way before you is not clear, an ethereal voice answered, let your actions be guided by the wisdom of the force. Hoth snapped his head up to peer through the darkness of the tent. A figure was just barely visible in the shadows, standing on the other side. Parnikar! she exclaimed, then suddenly asked, Is this real? Or am I actually sound asleep in my cot, and all this nothing but a dream? A dream is only another kind of reality, Parnikar said, with an amused shake of his head. He crossed the tent slowly, moving closer. As he approached, Hoth realized he could actually see through him. The apparition settled itself on the cot. The springs didn't creak. It was as if he had no weight or substance at all. This had to be a dream, Hoth realized, but he didn't want to wake. Instead, he clung desperately to the chance to see his old friend again, even if it was just an illusion conjured up by his own mind. I've missed you, he said. Your counsel, your wisdom... I need them now more than ever. You were not so eager to listen to me when I was alive. The Pernicar of his dream replied, striking at the most secret guilt and regrets buried deep in Hoth's subconscious. There was much you could have learned from me. A funny thought struck the general. Was I your Padawan all this time, Master Pernicar? So young and foolish that... I didn't even know you were trying to instruct me in the ways of the Force. Kronikar laughed lightly. <laughs> no, General. Neither one of us is young, though we both have had more than our share of foolish moments. Hoth nodded somberly. For a moment he said nothing, just enjoying Kronikar's presence once again, even if he was only here in spirit. Then knowing there must be some purpose to this elaborate charade his subconscious had created for him, he asked, Why have you come? The Army of Light is an instrument of good and justice. You fear you may have lost your way, but look to the Force, and you will know what you must do to find it again. You make it sound so simple, Hoth said with a slight shake of his head. Have I really fallen so far that I can't even remember the most basic teachings of our order? There is no shame in falling, Pernikar said standing up. There is only shame if you refuse to rise once again. Hoth sighed heavily. I know what I must do, but I lack the tools to do it. My troops are on the verge of collapse, exhausted and outnumbered. And the other Jedi no longer believe in our cause. Farfalla still does. Though you had your differences, he was always loyal. I think I have driven Farfalla away for good, Thoth admitted. He wants nothing more to do with the Army of Light. Then why are his ships still in orbit? You drove him away with your anger. And he fears you may have fallen to the dark side. Show him this is not so. And he will follow you again. Pernikar took a step back. Hoth could sense himself beginning the slow climb to consciousness again. He 
could have fought against it. He could have struggled to stay in the dream world, but there was work to be done. Goodbye, old friend, he whispered. Slowly his eyes opened, revealing the waking world and the empty darkness of his tent. Goodbye. Sleep did not return to him that night. Instead, he thought long and hard about what Pernikar had said to him in his dream. Pernikar had always been the one he'd turned to in times of confusion and trouble. It made sense that his mind would conjure up the image of his dearest friend to set him on the proper path again. He knew what he had to do. He would swallow his pride and ask for Fala's forgiveness. They had to set aside their personal differences for the sake of the Jedi. First thing in the morning, he emerged from his tent, determined to send an envoy to Farfalla. But to his surprise, he found that one of Farfalla's people had come to speak with him. I wondered if I'd made this trip in vain, the messenger admitted once Lord Hoth had welcomed her into his tent. I was afraid you would refuse to even see me. Had you come a day earlier, you probably would have been right, he confessed. Last night, I had a... Revelation that changed things. I guess we're lucky I came today, then, she replied with a cordial tilt of her head. Yes, lucky, he muttered. Though part of him believed the timing of the dream had nothing to do with luck at all. Truly, the Force was a powerful and mysterious ally. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show could still feel the poison in his system as he drove the land crawler across Ambria's vast and empty plains. The rumble of the engine couldn't quite drown out the rattle and clank of the junk piled in the back. The clatter kept him from pushing the memories of the vehicle's previous owners completely from his mind, but he felt no remorse over their deaths. He'd left their bodies lying where they'd fallen, in the midst of the battlefield, where they'd gathered their prizes. Their deaths had given him the strength to press on, but already the surge of power he'd felt was fading. He had the strength to keep the Synox at bay for a few more hours, but he needed to find a permanent cure. He needed to find Kalib. If he could reach the healer, there was still hope, but the man's dwelling was still many kilometers away. It was only a matter of time until his body succumbed to the paralysis and his mind was swallowed by the fevered madness brought on by the toxin. For now, though, his anger allowed him to keep his thoughts clear. He wasn't angry at Githany. She had only acted as a servant of the dark side should. His rage was directed inward, toward his own weakness and misplaced arrogance. He should have anticipated the true depth of her cunning. Instead, he had let her poison him. And if he died now, his great revelation, the rule of two, the salvation of the Sith, would end with him. Kaleeb felt the Landcrawler's approach long before he saw or heard it. It was like a storm on the wind, a black sky rushing in to cover the sun. When the vehicle rolled to a stop before his hut, 
He was already sitting outside waiting for it. The man who climbed out was large and muscular, a sharp contrast with Kaleeb's own thin and wiry frame. He wore dark clothing, and a hook-handled lightsaber dangled from his belt. His skin was gray as ash, and his features were twisted into an expression of cruelty and contempt. Even were he not sensitive to the ways of the Force, it wouldn't have been hard for Kaleeb to recognize him as a servant of the dark side. What he might not have sensed was how powerful this grim visitor truly was. But Kaleeb had dealt with powerful men and women before. Jedi and Sith alike had come to him in the past, and he'd turned them all away. He was a servant of the common people, those who could not help themselves. He wanted no part of the war between light and darkness. The man began walking toward him, moving stiffly. The foul stench of poison wafted out from the dying Sith's pores, smothering the scent of the boiling soup hanging over Kaleeb's fire. Jabbing a stick into the coals to stir up more heat, Kaleeb now understood his visitor's unnatural complexion. The effects of Sinox were unmistakable. He figured the doomed man had at most a day before he died. He didn't speak until the man stood directly above him, looming like the specter of death itself. There is venom in your body, Kaleeb said placidly. You've come for the cure, he continued. I will not give it to you. The man didn't speak, not surprising given his state. The poison would have left his tongue cracked and swollen, his mouth parched and blistered. But he didn't need words to convey his message as his hand dropped to the hilt of his lightsaber. I'm not afraid to die, Khalif said with no change in his voice. You may torture me if you want, he added. Pain means nothing to me. To prove his point, he plunged his hand into the bubbling cauldron. The scent of seared flesh mingled with the smells of soup and poison. His expression never changed even as he withdrew his hand and held it up to show the scalded flesh. He saw doubt and confusion in the newcomer's eyes, a look he'd witnessed many times before. In the past, his stoicism had served him well, usually thwarting the plans of those Sith or Jedi who'd sought him out for one reason or another. They couldn't understand him, and that was how he wanted it. He cared nothing for their war or what either side valued. In fact, there was only one thing he cared about in all the galaxy, and this performance was his only hope of protecting it from the monster standing above him. The implacable man before him puzzled Bane. His only hope for survival had just been denied him, and he wasn't sure what he could do about it. He could sense the power in this man, but it wasn't the power of either the dark side or the light. It wasn't even the power of the Force in any normal sense of the word. He drew his strength from ground and stone, mountain and forest, the land and the sky. Despite this difference, Bane could sense that the man's power was formidable in its own way. Bane found its strangeness disturbing, unsettling. Was it possible he was actually going to lose this battle of wills? Was it possible this simple man... A man with only the faintest flicker of the Force inside him was actually able to defy a Dark Lord of the Sith. Had the healer's mind been weak, Bane could have simply compelled him to do his bidding, but his will was as unyielding as the black iron of the pot he'd plunged his hand into. 
He had demonstrated that pain and threat of death would be ineffective tools in convincing him to change his mind as well. Even now, Bane could sense his mind building up walls to block out the pain, burying it so deep it almost seemed to disappear. And there was something else he was burying as well. Something he was desperately trying to keep Bane from uncovering. Bane's eyes narrowed as he recognized what it was. He was trying to hide the presence of another, shielding whoever it was from the Dark Lord's hazy, fevered perceptions. He turned his attention to the healer's small ramshackle hut. The man made no move to stop him. In fact, he had no reaction at all. The door was blocked by nothing but a long curtain that flowed gently in the breeze. Bane stepped forward and flipped it aside to reveal a small ramshackle room. A young girl, her eyes wide with terror, huddled silently against the far wall. A grim smile of relief touched the corners of Bane's lips as he realized the truth. Kaleeb had a weakness after all. He cared about something. All his strength of will was useless because of this one failing. And Bane was not above exploiting it to get what he needed. With a single mental command, he swept the terrified girl up into the air, carrying her out to suspend her upside down above the healer's boiling pot. Kaleeb leapt to his feet, showing real emotion for the first time. He reached out to her, then pulled his hand back, his eyes flicking between his daughter and the man who literally held her life in his grasp. Daddy, she whimpered, help me. The man's head dropped in defeat. All right, he said. You win. You will have your cure. The healing ritual lasted all through the night and into the next day. Kaleeb drew on all manner of herbs and roots, some cooked in the boiling waters of his pot, others ground up into paste, still others placed directly on Bane's swollen tongue. Throughout the entire process, Bane was wary, ready to unleash his vengeance against the healer's child should the man try to betray him. But as the hours went by, he slowly felt the Synox leeching from his body, drawn out by the medicines. By evening of the next day, all traces of the poison were gone. Bane returned to his camp and packed up. A few hours later, he was ready to lift off and leave Ambria behind. After the completion of the healing ritual, he'd briefly considered slaying both father and daughter for the crime of seeing him in his moment of weakness. But those were the thoughts of a man blinded by his own arrogance. His recent encounter with Githany had shown him the dangers of that path. Neither Kaleeb nor his daughter presented any threat to him or his goals, and Kaleeb had a skill he might one day need again. For all its power, the dark side was weak in the healing arts. So he had let them live. There was no purpose or advantage in their deaths. Killing without reason or gain was a petty pleasure of sadistic fools. And Bane was determined, as he punched the coordinates for Rusan into the nap computer, to cleanse the dark side of fools. This chapter starts off with Lord Hoth. He's sitting in his tent and he's contemplating the whole battle. The soldiers and the Jedi that have died, had he really gone too far in this war? This is when the forest ghost of Pernicar comes to pay him a visit. Or at least he thinks it's the ghost of Pernicar. It's nice to know that they have forest ghosts back then. Have they always been around? 
I was just wondering that, you know, because we've seen them in the movies. Now we're hearing about them in the books. So, you know, I'm just thinking they've been around forever. But Pernicar's ghost tells him what he needs to do. Swallow his pride and apologize to Farfalla. Hoth argues with the ghost and he said that he had burned that bridge with Farfalla. Pernicar reminds Hoth of Farfalla's loyalty. Then this is where he sees the force working. Hoth prepares himself to apologize to Farfalla. He comes out of his tent to find that one of Farfalla's people is already there to talk to him. And he knew at this point the force was on his side. Then it jumps to Bane. He is still dying from the poison coursing through his veins, but he used the suffering and fear of the father and the three sons to feel the dark side. He had given him the strength to push on, but it won't last forever. He needs to find the healer's camp before he is overcome by the toxin. At this point, his anger kept his mind clear. He wasn't angry with Giffany. She was acting like a true Sith should. Okay, wait a minute. Why does he keep giving this girl a pass? She keeps on doing stuff with no consequences. I'm sorry, but fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And there will never be a third time. But he was angry at himself for underestimating her cunning. He should have ran his saber through her face. That's what he should have done. Like I said, Bane is bad stuff crazy. But he knows he must survive or the rule of two would die with him. Then the chapter jumps again to Khalid feeling Bane's approach. Well, we know he is force sensitive, but when he climbs out of the crawler, Caleb could see the signs of the poison. He also knew that Bane served the dark side and he didn't help Jedi or the Sith. He only helped the common people. When he tells Bane that he will not help him, Bane reaches for his saber. Khalid tells him that he is not scared to die or scared of pain. Then he sticks his hand into a boiling pot of soup. What is wrong with these people? I'm not sticking my hand in a pot of hot soup. I swear everyone in this book is crazy. But shortly after that, we find out that he has a kid that he is protecting. Okay, maybe he's not crazy. I would have done the same thing for my kids. But Bane uses this to his advantage. He finds the thought of the kid hiding in his mind. Then Bane looks in the man's hut to find Caleb's daughter sitting there. Now Bane has the leverage to get the cure. And Caleb gives in to what he asked for. And that's where the chapter comes to an end. I like the way that Caleb resisted Bane at first. But everyone has a weakness. Something that they fear more than anything else. Caleb's fear was the loss of his daughter. Some people fear heights. Other people fear tight spaces. Some people fear the loss of a loved one. Everyone can be exploited if their fears are revealed. Even Bane's fear of the loss of his revelation, the rule of two must come to pass. So he will do anything to make that happen. Okay, let's see what the news and rumors department has for us today. I think this fits the podcast very well. Since the show is based off of books, Star Wars is going to re-release classic legend books for its 50th anniversary. Several popular Star Wars legend novels are being republished. They will have new cover art as a part of the Essentials Legends collection. Del Rey gave this announcement on Friday. Some of these books are, in my opinion, the best Star Wars books ever written, including the one we are covering right now, Dark Bane Path Destruction. Then you got Here to the Empire and the Mace Windu focused Shatterpoint will be the first books to be republished. Shatterpoint will also receive a brand new unabridged audio edition. This is one of the books that we're going to cover on the show whenever we get around to it. We still got the rest of the books in this trilogy to cover first. Now, Here to the Empire is another book that we want to cover. It was published in 1991, and it is one of the first books of the Thrawn trilogy, who became one of the key rivals in the Rebel Alliance. This was all thanks to his masterful military strategy. Thrawn recently re-entered the current Star Wars canon. This was thanks to the Mandalorian's second season. He was one of the targets of Ahsoka Tano. But legends previously known as Star Wars The Expanded Universe are some of the best Star Wars books you can read. And for any Star Wars fan, a blast to consume. Now let's get to the quote for this week, and it comes to us from Henry Haskin. And he said, what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. You have a light inside of you, and that light is the ability to accomplish anything. But you have to let the light shine. You can't let doubt shade your light. You must use the light to... 
Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. Research by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.